Welcome back to the We Know Ball podcast. Great weekend last week, Gav. We're going to get right after it again this week. Yeah, great weekend last week. The college football slate this week is not my favorite. To put it lightly, I could put it a lot more blunt if I really wanted to, but a lot to look forward to with NFL and some upset watching college football that we'll touch on soon here. Oh yeah, we got a down week in college football, as you said, after last week's incredible slate. We'll quickly run through the games to watch this weekend. Got a couple of teams on upset watch, potentially, and Game Day travels a bowler for the first time since 1996, so that's going to be a big one. Over in the NFL, we got some serious action. We got a lot of teams looking to bounce back after a rough week one, so we'll get into all that action for you guys in a sec. But first, as I said, man, this slate this weekend sucks. Not a lot of great matchups, but the one we do have to focus on, Tennessee at Florida. Yeah. There's not a single top 25 matchup on the card this weekend, which as a fan is horrible because I want to watch some good football. But this Tennessee-Florida game, Florida has been bad, to say the least, coming out of the gates here. They looked horrible against Utah, then they got a bounce-back gimme against McNeese State. But I look for the Gators to come out strong here, at home, in the swamp, especially in Joe Milton's first real test, because as bad as the Florida offense has looked, their defense has been pretty good coming out of the gates here. First real test is the perfect way to put it. Milton still has yet to throw for 300 yards. Their ground game looks strong last week, but who knows against this Florida defensive front but where are these receivers man Dante Thornton a guy who I thought was going to be a huge role in this Tennessee offense has failed to record a catch last week they still don't have a receiver over 100 yards in a game I want to say that it's going to change this week, but this Florida defense is good, man. I don't know. They're real good. You mentioned Dante Thornton. That was probably Tennessee's biggest pickup in the portal coming over from Oregon, the Ducks. But he's been disappointing. As you said, the whole passing game has been disappointing. They're only averaging 220 yards a game through two weeks through the air. And that's against basically FCS opponents. It's, it's abysmal. Meanwhile, the Florida defense is holding opponents to an average of 4.1 yards per play this season. So, at home, SEC matchup, early in the season, Tennessee still trying to find their footing. The over-under total has dropped from 63 to 58 and a half. Vegas thinks this game's soaring under. I think it might soar under. Tennessee's an upset watch, big time. Big time, and I think this game's going to come down to turnovers. Florida has yet to force a turnover on the year, and Joe Milton has yet to throw an interception. One of those is going to change in this game, and it's <laughs> going to come at the worst time possible. I still like Tennessee in this one, but they got to hold up defensively, and if they can, I think they'll pull away. Granted, though, I think Florida figured it out a little last week. Don't make grammars to the ball and the ball <laughs> off. You're going to be just fine. Yeah, the Florida running game has to get going if they want to come away with a win here. You definitely don't want to put the ball in Graham Mertz's hands coming down the stretch. But you mentioned it, Tennessee defense needs to step up. Joe Milton needs to be Joe Milton that we were hoping he would be coming into the season. And Tennessee will come out with a win if those two things happen. If not... I've got Florida winning this football game. I can easily see it happening. Jumping over to another team that I have on upset watch this weekend, and that is this LSU squad taking on the Bulldogs in Stark Vegas. Yeah, upset watch for sure. Vegas doesn't seem to think so. The line opened up at 7.5. It's quickly jumped to 9.5. Some books have it at 10. I don't get that, to be honest. Uh, you're, you're going into Stark Vegas, like you said. Jaden Daniels has looked anything but impressive this season. His offensive passing stats are a bit inflated due to the fact they're playing from behind the entire Florida State game. The defense is fine, but the secondary has serious question marks like we talked about in their SEC preview. And Mississippi State coming off a big home win against the Arizona Wildcats, who aren't by no means a great football team, but they're still a Pac-12 football team. Mississippi State has been tested, and they're at home. SEC matchup. Everyone's counting them out. Don't count them out. It's Stark Vegas, baby. Anything can happen. 
I'm not going to lie, I really like this new Mississippi State look on offense. They run the ball really well to Kavius Marks, and it's been working, dude. Will Rogers has been incredibly efficient now that he doesn't have to throw the ball a million times a game. This offense is a lot less predictable than it was last year, and it's been allowing them to pull off some huge plays on the ground. But Jaquavius Marks has also been getting done through the air. He is a do-it-all weapon. Like you said, the offense coming out explosive, averaging 6.7 yards per play. And on the defensive side of things, they're holding their own, 5.1 per play. They're great against the run. They've only given up 174 yards total on the ground through two games this year. For our non-math guys out there, that's about 87 yards per game. They look good so far. And like I said, everybody's counting them out against this LSU team that had high expectations coming in. And to put it bluntly, has failed to meet those expectations expectations through two weeks. Yeah, man. I mean, not to preview my picks too much here, but I have Mississippi State making this game real close at home. I'm starting to really buy into them finishing a lot higher in the West than I initially thought. Just given how wide open this West is right now. They're a team that's 2-0, they're hungry, and they got an opponent here in LSU that has looked not good. They've looked bad. And you mentioned Will Rogers with the experience factor and not having to throw the ball a million times a game. LSU is giving up 8.2 yards per pass this year. Not completion, attempts. That is really, really, really bad, and I expect that to continue in Stark Vegas. Is this the end of DBU, Gavin? Maybe not the end, but certainly a blip. It's It's been tough to watch for a university that we're accustomed to seeing just roll out cornerback after cornerback after cornerback. LSU's in deep shit this year. Yeah, we'll see how that one goes. That's definitely on my list of games to watch. Another game on my list of games to watch, Kansas State at Mizzou. A lot of people love this Kansas State team in the Big 12 earlier in the year, and they have not disappointed. Will Howard has really taken the reins of this Cougar squad and has really looked really impressed through two weeks. Five total touchdowns last week. He is throwing the ball effectively. He runs into a real challenge with this Mizzou defense. I can't lie. I think they're a very formidable opponent for them, but if this Kansas State team wants to make some noise in the Big 12, they gotta get tested at some point. This is the perfect game to do it. I expect this game to be an absolute slugfest, and as you said, a great prove-it game for the Wildcats. They opened up as one-point favorites. They have quickly jumped to five-point favorites in this game on the road, in conference. They're getting a lot of respect, and it's because of Will Howard. You mentioned it. But not only Will Howard, he's been incredibly efficient. There's no way around that. As you mentioned, five touchdowns touchdowns last week, doing it through the air on the ground. But this defense, man, they've given up 76 total yards on the ground through two weeks. For our non-math guys out there, that's 38 per game. That is phenomenal, especially for a top 15 team in the country. Missouri's the same way, though. They're giving up barely more than, than 50 rush yards per game. These are two great run defenses, headlined by some decent offenses. Obviously, Kansas State's going to be a little bit better in that regard. This game's going to be close. A lot closer than I think most betters are, are expecting. I don't expect this line to get any higher than five. It's Will Howard prove a game for sure. Kansas State, I, I believe, overperformed last year. But they're back this year with a vengeance. They're saying, we didn't overperform. We performed how we expected to, and we look to build on it this year. Especially with how that TC quad looks in the first couple weeks. Kansas State is going to make a real big run at the Big 12. I, obviously, with Texas, how Texas looked last week, I don't think they're going to do it. Oklahoma's also looked very good, but you mentioned it. For Mizzou, this game is all about what they can do on the ground. Cruddy Schrader has to get going if they want any shot in this game. And you know I love my home dogs, Gavin, but I still think K-State has the more complete team in this one. I absolutely agree. The home dog is tough to overlook, but I do expect K-State to come out and make a statement. At least the third, potentially second best team in this Big 12. Nobody's better than Texas right now. But if K-State wants to compete with the Sooners up there with Texas at the top of the conference, 
this is the first chance to prove it. Well, that wraps our breakdown of the games we like this week, but Gab, I heard you have a little new segment for us. I do, I do. Introducing a new segment for the people at home. There are a lot of top 25 teams going on the road this week. A lot of them in conference, some of them not. And we mentioned a couple of them just now, three of them to be exact, Tennessee, LSU, and Kansas State. Of the remaining top 25 teams going on the road, Jasper, who is at the highest risk to be upset and why? You know, there's a couple I saw on this schedule. You got FSU at BC, Boston College fucking sucks, <laughs> Penn State at Illinois, and Washington at MSU. I think this MSU squad is in utter chaos right now, and this game's not going to be close. So the one for me i got to pick is this Illinois squad, man. I think they have the best chance of being in this game at half. <laughs> Their defense has been underperforming, and the offense looked like it was starting to hit its stride a little bit with Luke Altmaier under center against Kansas last week. While I think Penn State is going to pull away in the second half and run them out of the water, I like Illinois to make this a game at least after the first two quarters. I don't hate that, especially being at home, as we mentioned, with Penn State going on the road. First Big Ten test for the Nittany Lions against an Illinois defense that has been subpar to this point. We expected them to be a lot better. I'm going to go against you in the Washington-Michigan State game, and here's why. MSU, the program, is in a bit of disarray. Mel Tucker facing sexual harassment allegations. He's come out and denied them. We'll see how that investigation plays out. Washington has looked phenomenal through two weeks. There's no way around that. Michael Penix is spreading the ball all over the place. The wide receivers are causing damage against any defense they play. But let's not forget, Michael Penix struggled in the Big Ten two years ago. He came from Indiana, and a lot of his struggles did stem from injury problems. I will give him that, that benefit of the doubt in that regard. However, you're still going on the road. You're going to East Lansing against a physical Big Ten football team who's put up over 30 points a game for the first two weeks, albeit they're playing Central Michigan cal caliber squads. But again, Big Ten football on the road, a high-powered Washington offense that if they come out slow, I could see them hitting the panic button a little bit. Do they win this football game? Absolutely. Does Michigan State cover this 16-point spread? Maybe. Of the top 25 teams going on the road, I do believe Washington is at the biggest chance to be upset simply because of the physicality of this Spartan football team. I like it. I like it a lot, but you mentioned that 16-point spread, and that is a game I really like because it is time to get into our picks for the weekend. Yeah, but I'm going to have you start us off here. For the people at home, I know you're accustomed to hearing three per podcast, but I've only got two this week. The slate is just absolutely abysmal. Starting off with the game we've already covered earlier in, in this conversation, I'm talking about Florida versus Tennessee. Six and a half is far too many points for the Gators. This line opened at seven and a half. It quickly moved under that full touchdown mark. Florida will cover six and a half points. Joe Milton will struggle against this Florida defense. Florida might win outright. Stay away from the money line. Six and a half, two full field goals, almost a full touchdown. If you can get it at seven, break out the hammers. I like it. I'm going to stick in the swamp with my pick as well. We mentioned earlier, I love this game to go under 58 and a half. It is going to be ground and pound football for the Gators. Tennessee has to prove they can play offense, man. That's what it comes down to. I don't like this game to be high scoring down in Tal yeah, Tallahassee. Tallahassee. Yep. Yeah. Love that pick. Love that pick. Or is it Gainesville? It's Gainesville. It's, it's Gainesville. Gainesville. Tallahassee's the Seminoles. Going on my second. I am going to go to the Big 12, and I'm going to go with the Houston Cougars plus seven and a half, and here's why. They haven't looked great to start the season. They escaped with a 17-14 win against UTEP, and then they got beat by Rice 43-41. They get a TCU squad this week that will score points. We know that. They also won't play defense. And as evidenced last week, the Houston offense can score. 
That game was on the road. This game is at home. I expect a high scoring affair and you're giving me over a full touchdown. Break out the hammer again. TCU is not going to win any game this season by more than seven and a half points, especially in the Big 12 with how they play defense. Houston Cougars by a touchdown took cover. Give it to me. I love it, man. I mean, that Houston Cougars team has to come out and make a statement in their first year in the Big 12. What a game to do it, being a team that won it last year. I'm going to stick with games we covered for my last two picks as well. I got Mississippi State plus 10. I know a lot of people don't want to touch it, but I do. Uh, whoa. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just think this LSU squad is the most incomplete LSU squad we've seen in years. And I think Mississippi State is getting severely underrated in the SEC West. Give me Mississippi State to make a statement at home in Stark Vegas. The other game I'm going with is a game that you mentioned, and I'm taking the Washington Huskies, minus 16. I think they're going to bury this team. This team is in disarray. <laughs> Put them in the dirt. Give me the Huskies. I love your first two picks, five-star picks in my opinion. 16 on the road, just a lot for me, especially in a Big Ten physical football game, as I mentioned before. But if there's a team that can blow Michigan State out of the water, it's certainly the Huskies with Michael Penix and company coming to the town and just absolutely lighting up the secondary. So I expect a big bounce back week from us. We got some bad beats last week, especially with Texas Tech. I mean, come on now. Losing by one with the ball, 45 seconds left, and you don't cover that goes down in the history books from for my personal worst beats of all time <laughs> hey man i'll take two and one this week if that's what it has to have all right that wraps up our college football talk we'll have some breakdowns for you coming monday on all the action this weekend and maybe some team surprises man who knows i hope we get surprised because right now this slate looks like anything but surprising to me with the low caliber matchups we have lined up fortunately for us unlike college football we got a huge weekend in the nfl coming our way tomorrow and sunday all of the qbs that got paid this offseason gaff burrow lamar danny dimes they all combined for one total touchdown last week <laughs> that is not good enough for me we got great games across the board and it starts tomorrow night with the vikings taking the trip to philadelphia at the eagles and gavin to say the vikes looked horrible last sunday would be an understatement defensively you hear the story about Baker getting all their signals. This is not good for them. They need to bounce back then. In the worst way. This is a team that you and I were incredibly low on coming into the season, and our analysis was spot on in week one. This team got incredibly lucky last season, and I do not expect that luck to continue. They outgained the Buccaneers last week by over 100 yards. Over 120 yards, actually. They only had two more first downs than the Buccaneers, though. Rushing, they were horrible. They averaged 2.4 yards per rush on the ground. Absolutely abysmal. And on defense, as you said, just horrible. Baker getting all their signals. They were in complete disarray. The only shining star was Justin Jefferson, as he will be all season long. They need to bounce back, and it's not going to come easy traveling to Philly to take on the Eagles team that didn't look a whole lot better than they did. They barely escaped with a win in Foxborough, albeit it's never easy to go on the road in Foxborough and come up with a win. But they only gained 250 yards on offense. And this is an Eagles team that is predicated on their offense last season. Of course, they had a great defense, but this offensive line, Jalen Hurts, the running game, A.J. Brown, none of it was working last week. These are two teams that both want to come out in week two and make a huge statement. If I'm going to lean one way, I expect the Eagles to do so at home in a statement game against a Vikings team that will regress this year. I'm right there with you, man. I mean, you mentioned the 250 yards of total offense. Not good enough for me. Luckily, that running room gets a boost this week. Rashad Penny's back. That should make him a little more dynamic, getting him in the mix with Gainwell and Swift. No Gainwell this week, actually. No Gainwell? No Gainwell this week. Damn it, so man. it's just Swift and Penny. Well, Swift has to get more touches. One rush for three <laughs> yards last game, not good. Get him involved in the passing game. This team needs to switch things up. It did not look good against New England. I still like this as a get-right game for the Eagles. Coming into the season with high expectations and taking on an opponent who can get easily exposed. I agree. 
The Eagles should handily win this game. I expect them to win by a full touchdown, so does Vegas. I hope it's an exciting game to watch because, quite frankly, the Sunday night and Monday night games were two of the worst football games that I've ever watched, and I could, I'm could i due for a good primetime game now. Absolutely. Jumping over to another team that needs a get-right game bad, that is the Bengals taking on the Ravens at home. Yeah, Joe Burrow and company talk about offenses that looked horrible last week. Not even 200 yards of offense. Not even 150 yards of offense. I'm talking 142, six total first downs last week against a stout Cleveland Browns defense. It's a one-off for me. Joe Burrow and company are going to come out, they're going to right the ship, and they're going to blow the Ravens out of the water. This is a Ravens team that just lost J.K. Dobbins for the year. It must be a day that ends in Y because he's hurt every fucking year. But injury bugs coming especially early to Baltimore this year. Joe Burrow has a history of beating up on the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, especially over the last two years. And again, a team that needs to get back into form. Big prove a game for the Bengals. But on the flip side of things, you have a Ravens team coming off of a game against the Houston Texans. A game they were expected to win. A game they did win. Everyone's counting them out in this game. Everyone's looking at Joe Burrow, the Bengals, and what they can do on offense coming back after that horrible showing. This is a great chance for the Ravens to get to 2-0 and cause a lot of people that are high on the Bengals to maybe start hitting the panic button early in the season. Man, can you imagine the Ravens and the Browns starting 2-0 this year, man? That would be crazy. But you're absolutely right. This is a get-right game for Joe Burrow. That wide receiver core is way too talented to live up to the showing they did last week. I do like the Ravens' offense, though. I can't lie. I mean, granted, it was against the Houston Texans. Zay Flowers looked like the real deal in week one and the perfect counterpart to Lamar Jackson, who, I'm going to say it again for all the people out there, I think he's a good passer, man. Only 169 yards last week, but still, I think the way he throws that football is really pretty. For me, the big story of this game is the Ravens' secondary. Can the Bengals get after it? Running the ball is going to be hard with Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen patrolling that second level. Obviously, losing Dobbins hurts, though Gus Edwards is primed for a takeover. But we've all heard this story before, man. The injury bug in the Ravens' backfield. Gus Edwards is due to go down by week three. Yeah, it's horrible starting early. I expect a heavy dose of Justice Hill, to be honest, this week, and a heavy dose of Lamar Jackson. However, if the Ravens want to keep their season longevity alive, they need to run Lamar Jackson as little as possible. Unfortunately, that seems like the case, but I think he's going to have to get after it in the run game. I still like the Bengals to bounce back in this one, but you have to get after it. You cannot let this Ravens team hang around. Yeah, they need to come out swinging, put this game out of reach early. If it comes down to the offense having to make a drive at the end of the game, I see this game as an absolute failure for the Cincinnati Bengals. Jumping over to your Seahawks taking on the Lions in Detroit, and the story here is simple for me, Gavin. Geno needs to throw the ball better. He has too much talent in that receiving core to be thrown for under 200 yards in a game. I agree, but the story for me is, oh my god, Matthew Stafford made our secondary look horrible last week. And he was doing it with 9-5 to five workers at wide receiver. Who the fuck is Puka Nakua? <laughs> Anyhow, we should be getting Devin back this week. We should be getting Jamal back this week. I need to check on the injury status of Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas. But losing both of them for the game last week certainly didn't help Geno back there. We were horrible on third down. 2 for 9. Only 180 yards of total offense. It was bad all around. However, we did rush for 4.7 yards per carry last week. That was the one shining spot of this team. Unlike the Vikings-Eagles game where both teams looking to prove it, this game is a story of one team looking to come out and right the ship and another looking to continue their steady play. Of course, I'm talking about the Detroit Lions coming off of a huge win in Arrowhead in the season opener. They're going to look to continue what they did last week, and that was run the ball effectively, play some stout defense, and surprise a lot of people. 368 total yards of offense for the Lions last week. 
at home this week in the den. That stadium's gonna be rocking. They opened up with two and a half point favorites. They quickly jumped to five and a half, and I can't say I blame Vegas there. However, look for the Seahawks team to improve from last week. I expect this game to be tight from start to finish. It's all about who wants it more. And to be quite frank, I am not confident in my Seahawks right now. Me neither. I do like them to bounce back a little bit against this Lions secondary, which was just a couple completions away from getting exposed last week. You know, Patrick Mahomes made some great throws. The Lions got lucky. The Lions are going to come out ready to prove that week one was no fluke, though. You're absolutely right. Gibbs is going to get more touches in a backfield that ran all over the Chiefs in week one. An 0-2 start would be brutal for this Seahawks team that comes into this season with high expectations. But unfortunately, I think it's going to happen. Give me the lines in this one. <laughs> I'm not going to sway one way or the other just because of my morals. But, <laughs> man, uh, we need Gino to just find the guy in the flat, man. He's airing it out too much, trying to do way too much on offense. Hand the ball to K9, find DK, find our tight ends, find Tyler Lockett. Get JSN involved. He was, he was non-existent last week. So, enough talking about this game. We'll see how it unfolds. But... I'm, I'm terrified for this team. <laughs> Love you being impartial there. You're really becoming the true journalist. <laughs> Jumping over to Chiefs at Jags, and the Chiefs get their guys back with Kelsey and Chris Jones returning. Chris Jones finally signed his deal. Patrick Mahomes and these receivers need to get in sync, though, after week one. They just looked off, man, and I think it's going to happen. It's going to happen. To be frank, I don't think it happens this week. You get Kelsey back. You get Chris Jones back. This is a Chris Jones guy who, of course, has been working out on his own, but has not been with the team all offseason, been holding out. Travis Kelsey will come back. He won't skip a beat. We know that. But the receiving performance I saw last week was horrible and scared the fuck out of me. And to be quite frank, I have no faith in this Chiefs receiving core right now. It's Travis Kelsey, and then who else? And then in the backfield, you have Pacheco, who just runs angry, man. I love how that guy runs. But in my opinion, the Chiefs are getting way too much respect. This line opened at two and a half with the news of Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey. It's now a Chiefs minus three and a half in Duval County. Don't forget, this is the Jaguars team that many people picked to go to the AFC Championship game and maybe the Super Bowl this year. They are getting disrespected by this line. The Chiefs are going to lose this game. I'm calling it right now. Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson are going to come in with a game plan, and they are going to stymie this Chiefs offense. They are going to throw the ball all over this Chiefs secondary. It's not going to, it's, it's going to be close, but I think the Jaguars come out, and they lead this game from start to finish. They show people what's up, and they send this Kansas City team to 0-2 on the season and cause Andy Reid and company to maybe start thinking about going out and getting somebody a wide receiver and hitting the panic button a little bit. Bring Sammy Watkins back to Kansas City, man. I talked about in our preview, though, I'm still not buying this Jags defense. They let that Colts team hang around last week, man. You can't do that with the Chiefs. I'm right there with you, though. I expect this game to be high scoring. But, yeah, you're right. Even with the Chiefs getting Jones back, this defense still doesn't scare me at all. It did not look as dynamic as it has in years past. Trevor Lawrence is going to be able to stretch the field with Calvin Ridley effectively. This game's going to come down to execution, man. And while I lean the Chiefs, it's hard not to root for the Jags at home in this one. Yeah, I do believe it'll be a high-scoring game. I agree with you there. But the losses of Carlos Dunlap and Frank Clark, to name a couple in the offseason for the Chiefs, proved to be detrimental to their chances in Week 1. They weren't getting after the quarterback. And they're certainly not going to get after Trevor Lawrence this week. He's going to have all day to throw. They'll stretch the field with Ridley, as you said. High-scoring affair. I expect this Jaguars defense to take a step forward in this game, especially at home in Duval County. This is the only game this week where the total is over 50 points, and rightfully so. It may very well soar over. It'll be fun. I'm riding with Jacksonville, though. They win this game, and they win it by more than three points. Man, I mean, we'll see what happens. It's going to be a fun one, no doubt. Jumping over to the Dolphins at Patriots, taking on each other. 
other in Sunday Night Football, and here we go, man. We got two completely different teams taking this field. On the one hand, you got the Dolphins who score a million points but can't play defense, and on the other, you got the Pats who lock down a good Eagles offense but looks skittish with Mac Jones under center. You mentioned the Dolphins not playing defense. Of course, they didn't play it last week, giving up 34 to Justin Herbert and company. That's going to happen a lot this year with teams that play the Chargers because of the addition of Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator, as well as the progression of Justin Herbert. He gets hated, and there's no reason to hate him. He's stuck in a system where his defense loses him games. He makes throws that Patrick Mahomes doesn't even make. He finds windows that don't even exist until he throws the football. The Dolphins will continue to score points, but this defense will improve week after week after week. Their front seven's explosive, but it's scary. And it didn't do a whole lot of damage last week. That will change this week. They will get after Mac Jones. They will force at least one turnover. I can guarantee you that. They will cause some havoc. The one thing I'm concerned about is going into Foxborough against this Patriots defense that looks really good last week. As we mentioned, holding the Eagles to under 250 total yards of offense. Polar opposite teams. It's going to come down to how this game is played tempo-wise. If it's fast-paced and a lot of points are scored, Dolphins will take it easily. If this game's slow and a bit of a slugfest and a physical grind, look for the Patriots to steal a win at home on Sunday night. I like it, man. You stole pretty much all my points there. The one thing I do have to add, though, is the Dolphins currently lead that series 60-55 to 55 all time. They are the Patriot killers. <laughs> but you're right. Home field is key for the Pats here. They look tough defensively in Week 1. Christian Gonzalez looked great and will definitely be matched up against Tyreek in this one. Unfortunately for the Pats, though, the Dolphins got another guy named Jalen Waddle lining up on the other side. I think the Dolphins are going to come out firing and the Pats just won't be able to keep up if they go down and Max Force to throw the football. In in order to win, though, you're absolutely right. I got tempo right down here on my notes as the key to this game. It's all about time of possession for the Patriots. The Finns just play too fast, though, and I just don't think the Pats will be able to keep up if it turns into a shootout. I'm looking at DraftKings right now, and this line's at three. That's just the perfect number. If it goes to two and a half, don't even think about touching it. I'm really, really tempted to take the Patriots right now, though, just because it's in Foxborough. And I do expect this defense to give two of some problems this week. Jumping over to the Monday night slate, and we got two games going for you, but we're going to focus on the Browns-Steelers matchup this week. Browns are coming off a huge week one upset where their defense played great. I expect that to continue, and they're going to take it to the Steelers in the trenches. This is a great matchup for Deshaun Watson to throw the football against the Steelers secondary that looked anything but good in week one. I'm just not buying on this Steelers team, Gav. All the guys we expect to improve, Kenny Pickett, Najee Harris, looked like more of the same last week. They need to be better, and I have major question marks as to whether they can. I think Najee will definitely play better. Now, I mean, he doesn't have to worry about Fred Warner patrolling that linebacker, but Kenny just looked uncomfortable back there, man. And with this Browns front four, they're going to cause some major problems for that kid going forward. I am terrified of what this Browns front four is going to do this, this upcoming Monday night. However, I am going to die on this hill. I believe in the Steelers still. I do believe last week was more about how good the Niners looked as opposed to how bad the Steelers looked. The Niners defense, there's no question, they made Kenny look more than uncomfortable last week. He was throwing the ball to ghosts all over the field. However, they're back at home this week in a divisional primetime matchup, of course, in a Steelers-Browns game, which every Steelers-Browns game is an absolute physical slugfest. This one is going to be even more so. Vegas sure seems to think so. The over-under total has already dropped from 43 to 39 and a half. Prove a game for Kenny Pickett and company. Please prove me right, Kenny Pickett. That's what I'm asking for you right now. Kenny Two Gloves, find some comfortability. Find yourself that pocket. 
Let's get Najee going a little bit too. The Steelers defense will get better, especially the secondary with Joey Porter and Patrick Peterson against a Browns team that didn't look great through the air week one. They won with their defense and, and, and there's no, no way around that. I'm just not ready to give up on the Steelers team yet. I do believe they are better than everyone's given the credit for and I do believe last week was all about the Niners coming out and showing them who's boss and who the team in the NFC is. Look for Kenny and company to settle in. Look for them to keep this game low scoring, very close, and maybe come away with the last uh, last minute drive down the field, kick a field goal, win this game by one or two points. You know Kenny's clutch, man. He gets the opportunity for it. But hey, I mean, it's me with Texas last week. We all got to die on a hill on this <laughs> podcast. You're choosing the Steelers. A little bit less formidable than that Texas squad. But I think Deshaun Watson really has a chance here to improve as a passer, especially against this secondary. It's going to be tough. TJ Watt's going to be getting after him all game. He's going to have to deal with that. But I just expect the Browns to come out and get another statement win and bring the first in the AFC North. If the Browns come out and they handle the Steelers with ease, we could be starting to talk about the Browns as a potential serious playoff threat uh, and a team that can cause some damage with how good that defense looked last week. Especially with how bad the top teams are looking with the Chiefs over there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we'll see how it goes. Obviously, we'll have more breakdowns for you coming Monday, but it is time for our picks in the NFL. And I'm going to let you take it here, Gav. I feel like you see the board really well right now. I'm loving how I see the board, for sure. I'm going to stick to the spreads again this week. Over-under totals, I'm still getting a feel for that. I think teams themselves are still getting a feel for how well they play, offensively and defensively. We're going to start in Duval County. I talked about it. Three and a half points is disrespectful for this Jaguars team. A full field goal. On paper, obviously, the rosters, the Chiefs are going to be better. But the Jaguars are at home. They've got, other than Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, what I believe to be the best quarterback-head coach combo in the AFC. I'm talking about Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson. If they lose by a field goal, I win this bet. So break out the hammers. Break them out for Trevor Lawrence and company, Duval County, three and a half is way too many points. The Chiefs are going to struggle. It'll take them a few weeks to get going, especially with Chris Jones not being with the team all offseason. I'm going to stick with my theme for the picks here and stay with that game and take the over in it this time. I like that 51-point spread. I think this game will be all about offense. I don't like either of these defenses, and I think the Jags leave just enough window for the Chiefs to hang around and make this a game. I like that over. As we mentioned, the only one over 50 this week. Vegas sure seems to think it's going to soar over, as do you. As do I, but I prefer to take the Jags in that game. Next game. This is my play of the week. Listen up, because this line has already started to drop as I expected it to. I got this line at three, at plus three and a half two days ago. As I see it now, it's at plus three, and it will get down to below three by the time kickoff happens. I'm talking about the Carolina Panthers at home against the New Orleans Saints. I'm riding with Bryce Young and company. Derek Carr and co looked horrible last week. They scored 16 total points against a Titans secondary that is abysmal, for lack of better words. Sure, they have a decent front four with Jeffrey Simmons getting after the quarterback, but to score 16 points at home against one of the worst secondaries in the league tells me all I need to know about the Saints offense. The Saints offensive line is bottom five in the league. This Panthers front seven is dangerous. Yeter Gross Matos, Brian Burns, Derek Brown, all causing havoc. And I expect Bryce Young to take a step forward. He made some boneheaded rookie plays in week one, throwing two identical interceptions, failing to look off the safety. He will fix those. Will it happen this week? Maybe not. However, three and a half points at home in prime time against a Saints team that looked really bad last week. They did win, but they looked bad. I love it. 
Give me the Panthers. Plus three and a half is the official pick, but if you want it right now, you're going to have to do three. I like it. I'm never going to bet against Derek Carr, but I like it nonetheless. I'm going to stay with the Cowboys taking on a New York team and give me that nine and a half point spread. I think they are just going to stomp the Jets in this one. Don't get me wrong. The Jets are going to make it tough for them defensively, but this defense can score, man. And I think with Zach Wilson's prone to throw picks and turn over the football, Cowboys are going to get some scores on the defensive side of the ball and make this game out of reach for the Jets early. I certainly don't like betting on defenses to score, but I don't hate the 9.5 spread there. It's just early in the season. I don't like going that big, but I do understand the rationale. Zach Wilson and company looked stagnant last week. Obviously, they came away with the win, but like the Saints, another team that failed to move the football all game long. Their sole touchdown coming from a... A miracle. A, a miracle and a ridiculous Josh Allen interception. I, 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 need to, I need to shit on that guy more because I really hate him as a quarterback. Cowboys by 10. They're a great team. They're going to be great all season long. I'll ride with that. I'll ride with that. I, I prefer to do the bigger spreads later in the season when, when we know what teams are about because this Jets defense is legit. <laughs> this over-under total is 38 and a half under 40 points. Vegas expects it to soar under. Dak and company might score 40 by themselves. Not on this Jets defense, but in other games it certainly will. For my final pick, if it already isn't clear enough, I'm dying on this fucking hill. Give me Steelers money line at plus odds. It might get even higher. Right now it's plus 105, plus 110. They're at home against the Browns team. It's going to be physical, but couldn't really pass the ball last week. The Steelers will stop the run. Kenny Pickett will come out. He will throw the ball great. Hammer the money line. Give me Pittsburgh. Sounds like a lot of wills. I'm going to go with facts. I'm taking Browns minus two in this one. <laughs> I hate to go against you, Gab. This is the first time I think we've gone against each other on the pod, but I, I don't see the Browns losing this game. I'm going to bet against the Steelers the same way you bet against Bama last week. So we'll see how it goes, man. We might be 0-2 against each other. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens. I, 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 I'm not ready to give up on them yet. And Mike Tomlin at home as a home dog is a proven profitable strategy. Of course, it wasn't profitable last week. But again, I'm talking that game up. Up to being the 49ers coming out and showing everyone who's boss. A bonus game that I'm not solidifying as an actual pick because I want to see where this line closes as it gets closer to Sunday, but I do expect the Bengals to blow the Ravens out of the water. Three and a half right now is what the line set at. If you can get it at three, if you can get it at two and a half, my God, break out the life savings and throw it on Joe Burrow and company. But the Bengals will win this game. I just don't feel comfortable getting four or giving up four points against a Ravens team that will come out and test them early. Absolutely. Regardless, we're going to have a fun weekend of football to break down for y'all on Monday. And we'll see how it goes. Gav and I are betting against each other for the first time on the pod. So we'll obviously have a winner and loser there. And I mean, maybe Gav, you'll even get to shit on Josh Allen some more. I think the Raiders might give him a fight. I fucking hope so. So I, yeah, obviously we'll have somebody lose uh, our our record on the pod will take a hit because one of us will lose our... Well, you know what? Actually, no. One of us will lose. We can push. Well, I, I took <laughs> I took Steelers' money line. You're taking Browns' minus two. So, one of us will lose. So be it. Best of luck to you. And, yeah, interesting slate of games in college and NFL. I'm excited to see how it pans out. I'll be glued to my TV. I know you will be, too. And for the viewers at home, just enjoy some football this weekend. Don't stress yourself out too much with picks or whatnot because the slate isn't that good. But look for that LSU game to be close. Look for Florida to pull off an upset. And look for Duval County to push the Chiefs to own 2 Oh, yeah. We'll see you all Monday.